This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Coming up on the podcast, we check in with Jason Rylander of North Country Guide Service. We talk hard water fishing, including, of course, the beautiful bourbon. It's up next on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored in part by Bemidji State University. You can pursue your passions with a world-class education in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature. So join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji. Minnesota's premier Northwoods University can help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. BemidjiState.edu This is Mandy Year, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Hey, we're checking in with Jason Rylander of North Country Guide Service. Uh, Jason, how's it been going out there? Well, it's my favorite time of year, Kel. It's turbot season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, weather could be a little more cooperative, but it's a heck of a lot better than last year. Lake conditions are a thousand times better than they were a year ago today, and temperatures are are drastically better than they were too. But uh, it sure is nice to be able to to get out. And a lot of lakes I've been fishing, you can pretty much drive your truck around wherever you want. It's nice to have the buddy behind you with a with a tow strap just in case. But uh, lake conditions are shaping up very very good for some awesome spring fishing. Absolutely. I mean, as of tomorrow, uh, or by the time people listen to this, it won't be walleye season, and we'll need a new license. But we'll have plenty of, uh, as you noted, burbot season. We're going to have, uh, you know, great perch fishing, uh, pan fishing. Uh, that March bite, as long as the ice stays thick enough, is really, really good. Oh, that March is probably my favorite month of the year to to ice fish. Um, you've got. Tremendous opportunities north of the border with lake trout, and it is typically the best time of year to go after those big bluegills and crappie bites. Uh, like you said, the perch bite gets better. They push shallow, and days get longer, and the temperatures get warmer. It's a very fun month to fish. So we'll get into the depth. We'll get in depth with uh, burbot fishing very, very soon. But I do want to kind of uh, cover uh, some of the other things that have been going on. Uh, overall perspective of ice fishing this year, how's it been? Uh, started off hot, quickly faded for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, overall, good. Um, conditions, for the most part, weren't too terrible. There was some plow, plow requirements for a little bit for vehicle traffic. But all in all, the bite uh, for me and most of the guys in my net network was uh pretty consistent and uh yeah overall good so do you is is winter fishing just fun fishing for you or do you do trips um mostly i do it just for fun i uh i'll help matt out every now and again if he's got a bigger group i don't advertise too much that uh for any winter trips just because if Pretty difficult to sneak out after work in uh, in the winter when it's dark. By the time I'm walking out of work, right? Um, <laughs> I will do. Uh, I'll do a handful of bourbon trips here in the spring for 
for friends or, you know, if I get that call and somebody's real sweet talks me and they never caught a bird, but I'll, uh, and conditions are right, I'll, I'll get out and do that. But, uh, uh, for the most part, uh, winter is, is my time to, uh, fish for enjoyment just for fun. Well, the, the eel pout slash burbot bite is, is such an interesting story in that uh, there's been hardcores like you and, and Matt for a long time that have really been into it. Uh, suddenly it caught on, and instead of being the joke fish like it was for so many years in the eel pout festival, it's a, it's a very popular sexy fish right now. Oh, boy, is it ever. Well, when I started fishing, I'm chasing rumors, and I'm fishing this lake and that lake, and that was before the advent of this forward-facing sonar. So I'm drilling a pile of holes and spending thousands of dollars in gas and bait in the in the few weeks of the prime eel pout bite. But uh, it's really fun to see the popularity and and talk to these. I mean, especially the with the you know the amount of college students we've got at BSU and the amount of fishermen that go to school here. It's uh, fun to always connect with some of them because they're out. They're out running around a lot more ambitious than I am nowadays. You know, I've caught enough. I don't have to go when it's cold. <laughs> but these guys are out chasing them. So it's always fun to hear their bites. And, and they've been a pretty open with me on what they're doing and where they're going. And, and I'm always open with them on, you know, they're saying, like, well, we're going to go try this lake. And I'll tell them, like, that's a good idea or maybe you shouldn't go try that lake. That's probably a bad idea. <laughs> How many lakes have eel pout in them? around this neck of the woods around our neck of the woods quite a few i mean a vast majority of our lakes have eel pout in them now the extent of the population in lakes uh, varies greatly um a good rule of thumb is the smaller the lake there's a lot less eel pout and they get a lot trickier to to catch there isn't uh the population as we have in uh, some of our bigger deeper clear lakes Okay. But I've caught eel pout on uh, Julia, Big Turtle, Turtle River Lake, Gull Lake, Black Duck Lake. Um, you know, not not what I would consider big, clear, cold lakes, right? right. They they all have a a small eel pout population. There's just there's just not a ton of them. Makes it uh, a lot trickier to catch them and and, and target those. Now, you uh, definitely have your finger on the pulse of the eel pout world. You are probably far more aware than I am of, of population uh, trends, things like that. Are there any concerns with it becoming so popular about uh, overfishing key uh, key uh, sizes? Yeah, it makes me nervous, but I'm hoping people are doing the right thing and being conservative. I mean, steps are being made to get limits, um, but that's been... Our wonderful state government um, doesn't work quickly. <laughs> um, I've been talking with the DNR, and it's not necessarily right up to the DNR. It's got to be legislation passed by, by uh, you know, the House and the Senate for those sort of things because they're laws. But trying to get uh, limits put on them, you know, they are now labeled a game fish. Uh, you can't throw them out on the ice. You're gonna, you, you'll get fined, but uh, not like. You, know, you used to see hear all the stories of the eel pout laying out on the lakes and guys catching them and just throwing them away. But you know they are pretty vulnerable. We're catching them now at their most vulnerable point. You know pre-spawn and spawn, which is a really fun time to fish them because you can catch so many. But uh, they are very uh, you know vulnerable right now, and 
and there is such little research done, you know, it makes, I sure don't keep any, or not, I don't keep nearly as many as I ever did at the start, not that I kept a ton, but I know I'm, I'm paying attention because with, with nothing being known, you know, you don't really know what you're doing to that population by keeping a handful of those spawning, those spawning females. So for those who, who are going to go out fishing or give it a try and they're kind of new to it, you know, uh, again, the, the, uh, the eopod more than, than most of us. So what, what are the key sizes? What are the sizes that we as proactive anglers should really consider putting back in? If you're, if you're being proactive and looking to be sustainable, but still want to keep some of these, these fish to eat, that three to four pound range and try to keep a male. And this time of year, it's usually pretty easy to tell the difference between a male and a female. Um, a lot of times the males are going to let you know, uh, what they're doing and what their intention is. Those are the best ones to keep. Those, those bigger, bigger fish are typically going to be your females. And those are the ones you're going to want to let go to, to let go of their eggs. Cause it, I really think their, their eggs are so vulnerable. Um, they spawn under the ice. The research I've done, it takes four to six weeks for those eggs once they're laid to actually hatch. And they're just laying at the bottom. And what's at the bottom of the lake eating them? Whitefish, suckers, perch, crayfish, uh, just to name a few. And when you're laying there for 28 to 45 days, that's a long time. you got to get there and not get eaten with absolutely nothing to protect you. So every egg laid is, uh, is crucial for the uh, continuation of the species. Okay, so very, very good point. Uh, and obviously, yes, you want to, for every species, we want to keep those healthy uh, reproducing females in the water for years to come. So same thing for the eel pout. Absolutely. And it's, you know, with a lot of our walleye lakes, you keep a 22-inch walleye on some of our local lakes, probably not the end of the world because some of our lakes don't have natural reproduction and they're getting stocked on a yearly basis. Well, at this point, the DNR isn't stocking any eel pout. Right. And you look at, you know, look at what they're, what they've done right now. Uh, one lake that comes to mind is, uh, Malax. I've heard all these stories of back in the day of all these eel pups that used to get caught on Malax. Well, now it seems pretty rare that one gets caught. And in fact, if you catch one on, on Malax, it, it's, uh, the laws, you, you immediately have to release it. It's a catch and release only deal done on Malax with eel pups. Okay. Well, uh, you know, as as we we move along here, I would assume you know like there's these you know walleye groups and there's bass groups and there's you know musky groups. I got to think there's going to be if there aren't already some eel crowd groups who want to work with the DNR and you know lake associations to to help protect these guys. Well, you sounds like you're putting me to work. <laughs> Just a suggestion, but yeah, I think you're right. I think somebody's got to give them a voice, and I think. I mean, I think they already, they're starting to get that. I mean, the guys I've been working with and kind of got my foot into some questionnaires and working with the DNR on it is, are the guys at Linder Media, uh, Jeremy Smith, Ty Shadeen. And, uh, you know, when you've got, you've got a reputation like the Linder Corporation behind you that, that turns some heads and gets some attention. And 
you know, as with that college kid out of Bemidji that did the study here a couple of years ago, and I'm hearing of another some other studies being done there. They are getting the attention they deserve, and and what the DNR is finding out, and one of the important reasons is, eel pot are a, a big uh, kind of one of the first fish to tell you that your water quality is going bad. Oh, really? Because they they require such clean water, and uh, so I think the DNR does see the importance in these and the eel pot and. You know, they're a native fish and, and their role in the, uh, the ecosystem of lakes. So have you heard from the DNR, the guys you've been talking to, do they have some ideas on what they're looking at for a limit, for slot limits, things like that? No. The last survey I got from them was, what would you like to see for a limit? Would you like to see certain seasons, this, that, and the other thing? And it was, for I, I just don't see them going like the three four fish limit from you know from zero to that few personally i'd like to see that i'd like to see the season actually you know a catch and release season only from end of february through mid-march when they're spawning pre-spawn when they're that when they're most susceptible Mm -hmm. um that would be pretty nice but i think that's unlikely to happen right away but hopefully hopefully i'm wrong and hopefully i'm surprised but I'm, i'm also probably on the far end of conservation on them too i guess I, I do know that well i mean you know i mean it's something that you, you uh you really enjoy and obviously it's something you want to see stick around and uh, it gets a little you know it gets a little nervous for a lot of people i mean we we've seen it happen with so many other species right i mean we're working so hard statewide coming up with creative new uh northern limits for different parts of the state to try to get those back we've had to get very dramatic and and turn a lot of lakes into five you know sunfish uh limited lakes because of uh because of that situation so i i think you know fans of a a specific species that has not had any protections you're going to be nervous yeah yeah i mean well when i first started chasing them it was me and Matt Brewer out on Lake Bemidji. That's how I met him. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how him and I met was out on Lake Bemidji, Yopal fish, middle of the March. We're the only two out there at nine thirty at night. <laughs> and so you kind of get drawn drawn to each other. Like, what the heck are you doing out here? And uh, and then I just started taking off and going to trying this rumor or that rumor or this lake and that lake. And obviously, there wasn't a ton of. Uh, it was a lot, a lot of long, lonely nights, Kev, out, the, out in the truck by myself. But uh, now it's fun to see some different groups out fishing. But I have seen the fishing get a little bit tougher. Like, I don't know if the fish are getting smarter, if they're getting fewer and far between, or what the situation is. But uh, it definitely isn't the quite the good old days, I guess, as they say, like it was. I mean, it's still not a problem to go out and catch some fish and, and have a good time, but It was a little different when it was kind of me, myself, and I out there chasing them. You know, there's a reason a lot of anglers are pretty tight-lipped, I guess. (laughs) Right. And because there's not a lot of information out there on eel pout, you know, it's it's always fun. I would say about Valentine's Day, I start getting some messages or different things pop up on my social media. And 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 I freely tell people, like, I'll tell you anything and everything I possibly know if it's a lake you specifically want some information on i'll tell you what i know about that lake and the population this that and the other thing i'll give you everything i possibly can except the waypoint i'm not going to make it that easy for you well you should not that waypoints are guaranteed but right. i'll give you enough information you should be able to uh 
to do some do some good damage on your own and <laughs> fish. He's Jason Rylander of North Country Guide Service. We got a lot more to cover with Jason next. Hey, I'm Jason Rylander of North Country Guide Service. My backs are hurt from carrying Kev Jackson for all these years. If you're ready to write the next chapter of your life and love the outdoors, Northwest Technical College might be the perfect fit. Northwest Technical College in Bemidji has state-of-the-art technical education and six career paths in the heart of the Northwoods. Automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology. We're surrounded by more than 400 lakes and acres and acres of forests. You can be fishing, you can be hunting, and you can be plotting the course of your life all at the same place. The shortest path to your dream job begins at Northwest Technical College, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. Winter has set in. Bemidji, the first city on the Mississippi, comes alive during the frozen winter months. Whether you explore the hundreds of miles worth of trails by either snowmobile or snowshoe, Bemidji captures Minnesota at its finest. There are 400 lakes close by, perfect for that weekend ice fishing getaway. Located in the heart of northern Minnesota, Bemidji. Hotels, B&Bs, and year-round resorts, Bemidji has you covered for your perfect winter getaway. All reasons why Paul Bunyan and Babe call Bemidji home. For more details, go to visitbemidji.com. This is Bro reminding you that the coolest people are on Paul Bunyan country. We are talking all things hard water with Jason Rylander of North Country Guide Service. We've been talking about eel pout, of course. Besides eel pout, what are we going to be seeing in the uh, in the strong March bite? I'm going to be spending my time and just waiting for some snow to melt, push those panfish up shallow. That's always one of my most favorite bites, get some of these clear lakes and set the shack up and do a little sight fishing for some panfish and get the kids outside on a nice day and go out and get enough bluegills and crappies for a, for a nice Sunday dinner. And and then, of course, it's like I mentioned before, I I wasn't able to get across the border in January, so I got a lake trout scratch that needs itching pretty bad. <laughs> okay. Oh, back to Eelpaw for one quick question. Um, so how did you discover this fish, and, and how did you get into fishing for them? I was out fishing with the wonderful owners of Northwoods Bait and Tackle, Aaron Schmitz and Aaron Guthrie, well, uh, years before they owned Northwoods Bait and Tackle. Yeah. But they had fish house set up, and I don't remember. It was end of February or mid-February. I know walleye season was open because that's what we were out, out at the fish house fishing, and they had the fish house out on Bemidji, and we are having a couple of adult beverages and hanging out for the evening, and it got to be dark, and I'm still just kind of screwing around, jigging and whatever, and Big Mark comes in, and I set the hook and fight this incredible fight. I thought I had the biggest walleye I ever was going to catch on, and up pops about an eight-pound eel pout. It was the first one I'd ever caught, and <laughs> I was like, well, that was really fun. <laughs> I would like to do that a whole bunch more. I mean... Who doesn't like setting the hook, having a fish fight? And I mean, an eight-pound fish is an eight-pound fish. Right. So that's when I was kind of like, why, why don't you guys, like, why don't we try to catch these? And they were like, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so that's when I what I did. I tried to find information that I could, and then a few weeks after I caught that fish is when I'm out on Bemidji after dark by myself, and there's Matt, and start chatting with him and he showed me a few things and we hit it off and fished with him a little bit and 
yeah, just yeah. Uh, trial and error after that. Just like I said, lots of uh, lonely nights on the lake and several thousand dollars in gas. You and Matt, you know, you guys are like uh, eel pout missionaries. Yeah, yeah. Kim Humphrey uh, from Cast Lake there, Aspen Guide Service. Kim was Kim has been a great resource too. He's been fishing them a long time over there on Cast and Winnie, and yeah, it's been a been a fun ride. I've got to meet a lot of people because of it, and some some cool opportunities have popped up. And I sure love talking about them and educating people, and and really pushing that conservation of them because I sure like to be able to have it be something my kids can enjoy when they get to be my age. Absolutely. Hey, now. Aaron Guthrie, just on his memories on Facebook, he's reminiscing about catching the state record. Does he still have the state record? He does not. Oh, he does not. That was uh, that's no. unbroken. Okay. And fun story about that. So I'm sitting at work. Remember, it was shortly after I got to work. It's like eight o'clock in the morning. I get a text message from him and a picture of the seal pup. And I'm like, my goodness, Aaron, that's huge. I said, like, how long is it? He sends me the dimension, you know, it's about this long, whatever. And that's worth, like, get that thing to shore and go get it weighed. Like, your state record-ish area. And we caught it 4.30 in the morning or something, you know, so the thing's already been sitting half froze because they threw it outside. He's like, well, we got, he texted me. He's like, well, we got, we got to get, like, six more walleyes for our limit. And I said, Oof. Screw the walleyes. I didn't say screw the walleyes. I said something else, so we can't say that on the radio. I said, screw the walleyes. He said, you might have a state record fish and something as cool as an eel pout, man. Go weigh that thing in. So he did. He packed it up. He was with his uncle. They went to shore. They went, got a hold of the DNR. They weighed the fish, and it weighed whatever, and then they did the official weigh, and it was 18.6 or 18.8, whatever it ended up being. I can't remember the exact weight of it, but... Yep, he uh, he got the dang record, and we just we just I just talked to him this weekend at the bash, and he brought that up, and he goes, "I still got to thank you for that." He goes, "We would have ate that thing." <laughs> <laughs> I'd sat there and harassed him via text for about two hours. I didn't get any work done that morning, so. So was it was the new record also caught on Lake of the Woods, or is that uh, on a different lake? Yep, I think I think it's actually been broke twice since Aaron caught it, uh, uh, both on Lake of the Woods. And I've been up there and tried targeting the eel pout. That's a whole different animal up there. That's a, I've chased the eel pout on the north end up by Kenora, and I've chased them on the south end down there in the in Big Traverse, too. But uh, they make them big up there. They're, I know there's, in Minnesota, 20 pounds hasn't been cracked, but I know there's a 20-pounder swimming around in Lake of the Woods, if not a couple of them. Well, I know you also have your, you know, you're, you're just one of the uh, VIPs of the fishing world now, so you probably get all these... Uh, you know, uh, heads up stuff. Any cool stuff coming out as far as gear goes that you're kind of fired up about for this upcoming season? I haven't seen anything too life changing. I'm still saving my pennies for forward face and sonar. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the uh, you know the game changer is you know especially once you start talking the tournament world, right? Um, and summer fishing especially. Um, just the the technology and and what it can do and and things you didn't know walleyes did in the summer and how many walleyes a guy can catch off a bobber. Yeah. So I think you, that's what you're going to start to see is a lot of baits, techniques, things geared for fishing, utilizing that technology in the walleye world. And yeah, I think that's going to be 
that's going to be the stuff that's going to be coming down the pipeline in a few years. I just can't believe how often I've heard adults talking about bobber fishing again. You know, that's kind of was by the board something you did for panfish for with the little kids, and all of a sudden, it's a huge uh, it's a huge way to go for walleyes now. Yep, that you know those red tail minnows were always the uh, the hot bait item, hard to find, hard to get, not not cheap, and now it's uh, put your put your money into leech stock if you can. Do you know anybody that's got uh, leeches? Or leech ponds, that's make good friends with them. <laughs> well, listen, as we get ready for soft water season, uh, I'm sure a lot of people will be uh, looking for a guided trip. And uh, how do they get a hold of you to get something going? Yeah, you can find Matt and I on northcountryguides.com or feel free to give me a shout, 218 766 7781. All right, before we wrap it up, as always, we got to do a fast five. Do you have time for a fast five? Always. Fast five. Here we go. Question number one. What is the biggest fish you've ever caught? 200-pound yellowfin tuna. Okay. I think I've seen that picture. I don't have to, I don't ever have to catch one that big again. <laughs> 60 to 80-pounders are tight just hard enough and yeah. you don't get that exhausted. <laughs> All right, question 1A. Biggest uh, freshwater fish you've ever caught? Uh, it's got to be a surgeon, but I haven't even caught that big one. I would take people up there and let them catch them all. Uh, probably a uh, 56, 58-inch surgeon. Okay, all right. That's a good fish. That'd be a fun one to catch. <laughs> They're a lot of fun to catch. Question number two. What was your favorite TV show growing up? Dukes of Hazard. Get a lot of that. A lot of Dukes of Hazard. All right. My mom said I, I couldn't tell time, but I'd sit down in front of the TV every day at 4.30, 3.30, whatever time. I, somehow it got programmed into my brain. I knew when that was going to start. Uh, and, uh, the, and who was your favorite of the Dukes? Uh, the blonde one. Is that Luke? Thank you. One that- the he was always a passenger shooting the flaming arrows up there. Okay. That would be both. My favorite was Daisy, for what it's worth. Well, and if, well in case my wife listened, I didn't want to do that one. <laughs> I don't have to worry. My wife never listens to this show. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three. You have been wrongly accused and are on death row. You are having one final meal. Isn't this a, a pleasant question? What What is going to be that final meal? What is your favorite food? Oh, uh, got to have a giant ribeye. I have to cook it. I don't want anybody screwing it up. <laughs> My last I meal. Want cook I, want, I want to cook that with charcoal, not a pellet stuff. I want real charcoal. Okay. That's my last meal. It's going to be a, a ribeye, and I'm cooking it. Yep. All right. <laughs> Question number four. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this one, but I shall ask it anyway. Comes right down to it. Fishing or hunting? Oh, yeah. Fishing. Yeah. I'm, I'm not very good at fishing, but I'm way worse at hunting. <laughs> that was a much harder question for Matt, by the way. I bet it was. <laughs> All right, finally, question number five. 
this can be very controversial. Who is who is the better duck, Donald or Daffy? Oh, Daffy! I was always grow, grow, I grew up a big Looney Tunes fan. Dad loved like the Looney Tunes, Bud Bunny, and Elmer Fudd, and all those guys. So I got to go with Daffy. You are a man of great taste. Absolutely, Daffy. I'm with, I'm with you all the way. Thanks. <laughs> oh, Donald, Donald's all right, but his voice gets a little bit. Uh, yes, four it's... minutes of asking off. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, he is Jason Rylander of North Country Guide Service and one of the premier eel pout anglers uh, of the upper Midwest, if not the North American continent. Jason, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time today. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for the call. That's it for this time around. we got some great podcasts coming up, including Will Pappenfuss, Bruce Jean, and Eric Osberg of Ottertail Country. I'm Kev Jackson. Thank you for being here. Pop on in country.